Welcome to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast for dog guardians. If you find yourself in precarious predicaments with your dog, this podcast is for you. I'm a certified professional dog trainer and I take my 10 years of training experience and I share easy to implement dog training advice with an emphasis on kindness and compassion. Welcome. I'm so excited to share more. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to talk all about alternative behaviors and how we can utilize that for effective behavior change. But before I jump into today's episode, I wanted to just thank the lovely human beings who have contributed to Disorderly Dogs. It is so appreciated. You can't even believe how much joy it brings me to even get just a $5 contribution to this podcast. While I love and adore doing this podcast for free. And if you do not have the financial means to contribute, please don't feel pressured to. But if you do have the financial means and you would like to contribute to this podcast, I would be very, very grateful. I love this podcast, but this podcast actually costs a lot of money to produce and get out there. And while I love doing it, if you could be a contributor, that could really help offset some of those costs for me so that I can keep on coming at you with a new episode every Friday. For those of you who are new to this podcast, I started this podcast multiple years ago and the goal was really just to connect with you all and give you really useful training advice. And it has turned into this amazing weekly routine for me. I've released a new episode every week, almost every week for years and years, and I plan to keep on keeping on. So if you would like to help me keep on keeping on with a financial contribution, there is a link to that in the show notes. So let's talk about alternative behaviors. So as many of you know, I have spent my career working with... I think we could label them problem behaviors, right? So dogs who can behave reactively and aggressively and... In my experience, some of the most effective behavior change happens when we train or rearrange the environment and to get an alternative behavior, okay? So an alternative behavior is basically a behavior that we can tell our dogs to do in place of the behavior we don't want them to do. So I'm human too. So many of my clients have this idea, right? When they come to me, they're like, well, I just don't want my dog to do X, Y, or Z. And while I wholeheartedly empathize with that, right? Like I feel you, you don't want your dog to do a certain thing. Many times it is very unclear from our dog's understanding if all we do is just yell no at them, (laughs) okay? I'm not saying that I'm not human and sometimes I still yell no, but if you really want to see effective behavior change, an alternative behavior is likely to lead to much better results than just telling your dog you don't want them to do something. I will also caveat, right, that this is one of those things that it does take time and energy, okay? And alternative behaviors and behavior change is never going to happen if you aren't willing to... in fact, change your own behavior as well, right? It's not about just changing the dog's behavior. It's about 
changing our behavior so that our dogs can behave in a different way. And so many times changing our behavior is actually easier than changing our dog's behavior. Sometimes it's the other way around, right? But I just want to be clear in in my communication to you today is that you are not going to see effective behavior change if you aren't also willing to change your own behavior, right? And while I love teaching alternative behaviors for dogs, Oftentimes, I am also teaching alternative behaviors for my clients, right? So if you've worked with me before, it is likely that maybe you didn't know it. Maybe I didn't tell you that I was training an alternative behavior, but I was teaching you something else you could do to get to an outcome with your dog. So alternative behaviors are not just for dogs. They're also for us. So when we're looking at choosing an alternative behavior, I like to look at a couple of things. So one, I want that alternative behavior to serve a similar function to the behavior that I don't want my dog to do, right? And the reason for that is that when our dogs are behaving in certain ways, it's happening for a reason, okay? The dog is behaving for a certain reason. And I want to acknowledge that in my behavior modification plan and realizing that an alternative behavior should serve a similar function, okay? And I'm going to get to some specific examples, but I want to give you this framework first. So I always want to look at an alternative behavior that can serve a similar function, likely in a more productive way. I also want to look at, isn't there an alternative behavior that I could choose that would come relatively naturally to my dog, right? So is there a behavior that my dog maybe does in another context that comes relatively natural to them that I could utilize in this alternative behavior setting? I also want to look at what is the path of least resistance here? So often in dog training, I see dog trainers, well-meaning most of them, who are teaching alternative behaviors that I think are really counterintuitive and they just cause a lot of resistance and it's just really hard for the guardian and for the dog. So when I'm looking at an alternative behavior, I'm always looking for the path of least resistance, okay? What is an alternative behavior that is natural to the dog that serves a similar function that I could that I could utilize in this context, right? I also want to look at other behaviors that the dog might already have in their repertoire that have a really strong reinforcement history, right? So my dogs have a really strong reinforcement history for touch, and that is a behavior that I use as an alternate to unwanted behaviors all of the time, right? So we can look at the individual dog's behavior repertoire, and if they already have a behavior that they do really, really effectively, let's utilize that. It already has a lot of history, and the dog enjoys doing it, right? Let's try that. So one more thing with the alternative behaviors, right? When we're choosing alternative behaviors, we're not actually going to see meaningful progress if we don't actually do multiple training setups for our dog to get it right, right? And I think that this is really the biggest wrench that gets thrown into my work with my clients who really want to see effective behavior change with their dogs is that they just don't get enough opportunities to practice what they want to see under these certain conditions. And because of that, then the dog reverts back to the unwanted behavior, okay? So it it's not all rainbows and puppies, right? Like sometimes we just have to do the black and white repetition of like, we need to set this up so that the dog can 
practice the alternative behavior multiple times and get it right so that we can really get that momentum. Okay, so I want to give you an example of an alternative behavior, and this is actually human behavior. This is actually my own behavior that I'm trying to change, and then I want to give you some examples of um, dog behaviors, right, common dog challenges that you could use an alternative behavior for. So the behavior that I'm trying to modify in myself is decreasing scrolling on my phone in the evenings. I want to do less of that. As many of you know, I spend a lot of time and energy on my social media platforms and I'm not going to stop doing that. But I usually do that earlier in the day. And by the time we get to the evenings, like I need a break. I don't need to scroll anymore. Right. So the goal here is to decrease how much I'm looking at my phone, picking up my phone, scrolling my phone. Okay. So when we're looking at an alternative behavior that can serve a similar function. In this circumstance, right, the function of the behavior is I'm kind of winding down, right? Like it's later in the night and it's an easy behavior for me to do, just hold my phone and scroll. So I also need an alternative behavior that's similar in function. Okay, and I also need something that's relatively natural for me, right? Because picking up my phone and scrolling, unfortunately, is just very, very habitual these days. So I need a behavior that's going to be relatively easy for me to provide, right? And it comes pretty natural to me. And I need something that's easy, right? That's not complicated or hard that will also help me to wind down, but maybe in a more productive manner. Okay, so the alternative behavior that I've created for myself is I have a coloring book and some markers. Okay, so it's easy to do. I am totally a nerd like that. I love to color. I always have. I remember so many coloring books throughout my life. Okay, so the alternative behavior here that I'm working to reinforce for myself is coloring, right? And what I'm doing in the environment is if I'm sitting down and making sure that that coloring book and my marker are right there. So it's super easy for me to engage in that behavior. But then I'm also setting myself up for success by putting my phone in another room, right? So not only do I modify the environment a little bit, but I also am working to modify my behavior, right? So I hope you're with me on this, right? When we're talking about an alternative behavior. So the alternative behavior of coloring serves a similar function. It's pretty easy for me to do. And then I rearrange the environment so I have multiple opportunities to get it right. Okay, so let's talk about some examples of alternative behaviors in different challenges that you might have with your dog. So I know that a lot of you listening have dogs who struggle with leash reactivity. And a lot of times when I get called in to work with a client with leash reactivity, the the guardians have been trying to make the dog not react, but they haven't really been putting much effort into, quote unquote, making the dog do something else. And an alternative behavior that I teach almost every single one of my reactive dog clients is a find it. So literally just tossing a treat on the ground for the dog to get. And the reason that I love this alternative behavior is because it serves a similar function. A lot of times dogs who are reacting on leash, they're experiencing this huge energy surge and asking them to sit still or walk really nicely on leash. Those are hard behaviors, right? Like they don't serve that similar function. What I love about the find it is it serves 
is an amazing alternative behavior, right? Don't lunge and dog at, lunge and bark at that dog, but do look for that treat, eat it, look back at me and do it again. So we're literally physically giving them more of a way to move through that surge they're, that they're experiencing, but we're giving them that purpose of, okay, go look for the treat. You ate it. Good job. You looked at me. Amazing. Okay. Go eat another treat off of the ground. And it's, it serves just so beautifully as an alternative behavior because it serves a similar function. It's natural for most dogs. Most dogs are using their nose and searching for things anyways. It's usually not complicated or hard to teach the dog, right? So we choose the paths of least resistance. And it's one of those behaviors that it, it becomes self-reinforcing, right? So even not having a load of reinforcement history doesn't really matter. And it's usually very easy for the guardian to implement, right? So it's just kind of like all of the things we need coming together to serve as an alternative behavior, right? I think that there are loads and loads of alternative behaviors that you could use for your dog, right? Who has leash reactivity. If you've worked with us, I hope you're thinking in your mind right now, like, oh yeah, all those behaviors we worked on with Rachel were alternative behaviors, right? But I think that the find it is an amazing example of an alternate behavior, especially when we're talking about leash reactivity. So I want to talk about another challenge. So usually the greetings, right? Like interacting with guests or interacting with new dogs and going to say hi for the first time. If you listen to the previous episode, you heard me talk about this, right? The alternative behavior of teaching a dog to go and touch someone's hand and then come back to you as the alternative to jumping and carrying on and being too overzealous. And this is something that I use with my dog's a lot, right? And what I love about it is that when my dogs are excited to see someone, it is not natural or easy for them to stand still and try and like keep it together. And admittedly, when Waylon was young, I worked a ton on the alternative behavior of lay down in your bed and stay there until I release you when guests came come over. And I mean, truth be told, he can do that, but it's not as effective as the go touch because laying down and standing still doesn't serve the same function as going and touching and interacting with them does, right? And this is something that I feel like I've definitely... I guess you could say changed my mind on over the years is I used to teach a lot of stationary alternative behaviors. And while I of course still teach those, I use them less than I do some more of these like active movement based alternative behaviors, just because I find it's one more immediately successful and two, it's easier for the dog and the guardian to actually keep up with and see progress with, right? So if your dog struggles with Um, greetings, right? When people come to your house, your dogs are maybe just like way over the top like mine are. You want to work on teaching them an alternative behavior, right? An alternative behavior of go and touch someone's hand and return back to me for a cookie is a behavior that my dogs already had a load of reinforcement history for and the dogs love to do it, right? They're like, oh, we're touching? Oh my God. Okay, let's do it. Yes. So it serves a similar function. It has a strong reinforcement history. It's a very was like the least resistant path we could possibly take. And then that way it's more natural for the dogs because my dogs, then they get to interact with the people, but they come back to me and bring it down a couple of notches, interact with the people, come back to me and bring it down a couple of notches. And usually after a couple of repetitions of that, they don't need my support and everything is fine. Okay. So when we're talking about alternative behaviors, I want you to really look at, okay, what is the challenging behavior? What is the behavior you don't want them to do? And what is the behavior you would rather them do? 
do in place. But when we're going down the list here, right, when you're choosing that behavior, we want it to serve a similar function. We want it to be somewhat natural for the dog. We definitely want to take the path of least resistance. We want to utilize behaviors that already have a lot of reinforcement history. And we want to make sure that we have multiple setups to get it right. So I want to give you one last example here. So many of you know that I did quite a bit of work at a wolf sanctuary, right? And we used a lot of alternative behaviors there. And I want to just give you the rundown of a little bit of a a case study here. So if you're a longtime listener and you listen to the wolf training episode, you will have heard me talk about Topaz, but I want to, I want to give you some insights into him today. So Topaz arrived at the sanctuary as a seven month old wolf hybrid. He was mostly wolf, had some domestic dog in there. He'd been living in a pet home and it was not going well. And he ended up at the sanctuary. And the unwanted behavior was just this really overzealous, intense greeting. Like you would go into his habitat and he would jump up and he would mouth and he was he was biting, not biting hard, but like, and then tugging at your clothes and then launching his face at your face. And there really was no malicious intention by any means, but it was hard. It was very difficult to deal with, right? So that's the unwanted behavior that we were trying to resolve. So what we did is we worked out, well, we experimented with multiple different alternative behaviors, But eventually what we landed on was teaching him a stationing behavior where he would jump up on a spool. Okay, so the function of Topaz's overzealous behavior was he was just really excited and he just really wanted human interaction and attention, right? For all of his overzealous behavior, he really is human social, right? And what he really wanted just was desperately your attention and he was just trying all of these different behaviors, which in his defense come relatively natural to wolf hybrids, right? That wolfy DNA leads to a lot of mouthy bitey stuff, but the function of that is he really just wanted attention, right? So our goal with the alternative behavior of jump up, it was like this wooden spool, right? That we had him jump up on. So one, not only was jumping up a nice way for him to like physically move through that, right? Some of that function is him moving through some of that excitement. So we taught him first and foremost to jump up on the spool, right? And stay on the spool. He did not have to sit. He did not have to lay down. He could just stand there and wiggle and wag and be excited, but we wanted him to stay on the spool, right? And that's so that, right, that it was a little bit safer for humans to get in there and interact with him, right? But another function of his alternative behavior that we were really cognizant of is that when he was on the spool, we would interact with him. We would pet him. We would talk to him, right? He loves just to be swooned over. So when he was on the spool, he was getting a lot of that attention that he craves so much, right? We, of course, were using a ton of positive reinforcement. He loves chicken, just honestly cooking. Cooked chicken breasts is what we used for him. He got a lot of reinforcement for standing on the spool first, and then we started interacting and adding in that attention, right? So that way, Topaz had an alternative behavior to provide when humans entered his habitat that led to much better outcomes, right? Humans were more safely able to interact with him and he was able to get that attention that he so desperately desired, right? And it's one of those that like, 
it was really simple in thought. And he was, I mean, the nice thing about the wolf sanctuary is we were able to get repetitions in every single time I went in with him, right? Because every time I went in to interact with him, we made it a training session, right? And it it served such a beautiful purpose for him to have that alternative behavior, right? So I hope that this is helpful for you all. I hope that this is helpful to think about how if you want to modify your dog's behavior, or let's be honest, if you want to modify your own behavior, how you can look at coming up with an alternative behavior that's actually going to be successful at replacing the unwanted behavior the vast majority of the time right? So everyone, I hope that this episode was helpful. If you have trained an alternative behavior and it has worked super well, hey, do me a favor. Tell me about it. You can DM me over on Instagram at a good feeling in Colorado. Um, I'm sorry, NCO. And you can tell me all about it. All right, everybody have a beautiful weekend. Smooch those puppies for me. And I am already looking forward to the next episode. There are loads of ways to support this podcast. Many of you have left reviews. Many of you have shared this podcast with your friends and family, but we've created another way for you to support this podcast by making a monetary financial contribution. You can choose from a one-time contribution or making a small monthly contribution to continue to make disorderly dogs possible. You can learn more at the link in the show notes. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you need help with your dog's behavior, you can learn more about our training services at agoodfeelingdogtraining.com. We post training inspiration and training tips almost daily over on the Instagram at agoodfeeling underscore NCO. If you like this podcast, we would be so grateful if you could share it with a friend or family member who could benefit from all of the information. Um, It's been a total delight. We love this podcast so much. And thank you so much for listening to Disorderly Dogs.